Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey hustlers, we know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you. Introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by PDAC. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustleshare PDAX. Also powered by Podmetrics the easiest way to monetize your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code HUSTLESHARE. One thing is, of course, you have to pick your team wisely. That's that's one of the most critical ones, especially when you're starting off. This is going to take a mental toll on you, uh, you know, and you need the best people around you. And, and those guys will stick it with you, you know, stick with it. And, and you should be looking for those guys that can do that. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustler Podcast. I don't know why it took me forever at episode 169 in the year 2022 to get this giant into my podcast because I've known this guy for a long time. But again, there's always a first time for everything. And again, um, I'm so glad that I get to talk to this guy again, literally almost at the tail end of this stupid pandemic. Because again, we've seen the worst of startups, the best of startups. And 
I love talking to OGs and I consider this guy the tallest OG in the ecosystem. It's not even close. If you think that's you, Natasha, yes, that's you for the women. But for the boys, it's only one guy that towers above everybody else. And let's welcome to the show, finally we got him, Mr. Francis Simissim of 917 Ventures. Francis, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ron. Super excited, man. It's been long overdue. Forever. It's been forever, my goodness. And again, I know you very well, and I'm glad that we're talking about startups. And of course, your your hustle now in 917 Ventures, especially focusing on this new thing you're doing called Code Go. But before I describe what the fuck you're doing, right? I need you to answer the million-dollar question. Francis, what's your hustle? Okay, yeah. So, so thanks, Ron. So, for for the hustle, you know, I really have started a, a while back. Uh, you know, having started different ventures from the beginning, uh, the likes of when in Manila back in the day when startups was not even a word. Yep. And uh, you know, creating different businesses such as Blogapalooza and others along the way, social life. We're now at nine one seven. So, really excited that I've come for full circle. Coming from being a founder, investor, uh, and I guess an enabler in the local uh, Philippine ecosystem, to now being part of a venture builder on the biggest one in the country. Not even close. The the most legit venture builder who just happens to have the only unicorn in the Philippines in terms of real fiat valuation. Because people always throw this, but there's YGG, there's still these other crypto guys. Yes, there are unicorns, but in fiat number, the only legit. Unicorn is Mint, aka Gcash, which happens to be under 917 Ventures. But before I get carried away again, before we do that, you mentioned that you are already a seasoned entrepreneur and you've gone full circle from being a founder, again, an enabler, even putting up uh, events in, in, in service of the whole ecosystem. I need you to buckle up. This is probably the bumpiest ride because you are seven feet tall. And um, my my time machine is little. It's just, it's just for five footers, so we're gonna have to cramp up a little bit because we're gonna have to ride the hustle share time machine. Oh, sorry, ha- Oh, you're ahead. Oh, sorry, Francis. I told you it's for five footers only, but at least we made it all the way back. And I wanna now understand because I've known you for a while, and I first met you. God, I don't even know. I don't even remember. Anymore? What was the last time? But the 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 one thing that I really um, remember doing with you was uh, with Tectonic. That's when I really got to work with you. But I know you've been around for for the longest time. But what what was your uh, exposure to entrepreneurship, and how did this uh, passion towards entrepreneurship uh, take place? And eventually, how did that even lead you to tech? Sure, sure. So I guess you know during my after high school, you know, during those times, uh, mm-hmm. I would say in the early 2000s, there you go. You know, all these Counter Strike, all these computer games, kind of came about. Right? That was that was my era, I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, during college, I, I actually flew to the UK to do my college and my degree. Wow! Right, and that was the time that I got exposed to the real side of the tech business. Wow. And I got to see, oh, wow, like this is how they've done it. And mm. I got to attend different conferences, which inspired me to do startups back in the day. You know, that was in 
05, 06. Wow. Uh, however, when I finished, I was so excited. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go home. I'm mm-hmm. going to get something started. I've seen how Facebook took over the world at the time when right. Friendster was it, right? Mm-hmm. And when I came home and I told everyone I, w- I want to do a startup, nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. What is gibberish? Who's the startup guy? Right. Right. I thought I was really just starting up. Therefore, oh, nobody wanted wow. to speak to me. <laughs> it was uncool then. It was very uncool. Right. And again, at that point, what was the. Because again, uh, you come from a family of entrepreneurs as well. Were there early influences that, that led you towards, like, you know, entrepreneurship is something that I can do? Because again, a lot of. Um, entrepreneurs that have had on the on hustle share have been influenced either influenced early or by necessity because they didn't have a freaking choice. I fall in that category to be an entrepreneur, right? I was surviving. I had nothing to lose, so go ahead. That shoot for the moon, right? But for you, what was that molding like? I came from a generations of entrepreneur. So my wow. my granddad was an entrepreneur. Came from China to here, and he. Mm. He kind of navigated, started businesses, and some failed, some worked, right? Yeah. And at the end, you know, we were lucky that we found our it. My parents are entrepreneurs. You know, my dad is, uh, you know, doing his own business, and my mom has her own business as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is then kind of like somehow it's influenced or it's almost in your blood, right? To say that, you right. know, you got to be in business somewhere, somehow. Yes. And that's kind of how I got into the entrepreneurship space. Mm-hmm. So very early on, you know, I know that. What were the lessons you they they taught you? Because again, the 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 thing with people who had entrepreneurial parents or entrepreneurial you know influences early, there are things that sticks forever. They never leave. But what were those things that that they taught you about money, about how to uh, hustle as an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's not only about the money. It's it's about the attitude towards it, right? It's it's how you're able to persevere. You have to wait. You have to be patient, right? And all of these mental issues that we normally would encounter all of it i, I was strengthened i was i would say that i was a uh, hard-headed coming in mm-hmm. and you know not being impacted by a lot of the people having you know mental issues or mental health because i was born into that space Got it. Well, what do you mean by that when you say born into that space is it like because again entrepreneurs are built for for, for tough times, you know, you can't be like, oh my God, I don't have payroll. My mental health is going down. Sorry. Again, that, that's valid. I'm not saying it's not valid, but you got to step up, man. You cannot Correct. say like, oh my God, my mental health. I need my, my feelings validated, right? That's, that's cool. Exactly it. But man, you got exactly. bills to pay. You're going to need to stop up, toughen up, right? Yep. That's exactly it, right? Like being tough and being able to navigate through difficult waters, whatever it is, right? Um, you're able to navigate through it. Uh, and whatever happens, you know that you're going to survive and be stronger. I think that's the, that's the attitude they instilled in me mm-hmm. uh, growing up and being the firstborn, right? So ah, always, you're a kuya. So the stakes are higher, right? Because Correct. you can't F it up. Everybody looks up to you literally. Okay. <laughs> and figuratively <laughs> as we go. But now I want to understand. So, so you mentioned one in Manila. Was that the first uh, technical, I mean, startup that you did? Because I've had your co-founder Vince here along, and he kind of told us uh, last year or uh, towards the latter part of the year. He mentioned about you know how everything was just they were just happy writing blogs. A lot of it were X deals and not, whatnot. But from your part of the story, what was that that experience like? Yeah, it was it was great. You no, know? uh, I had a great time with with Vince learning. You know. 
coming from nowhere. Like nobody cared that what we did and mm. nobody even watched our videos. I was the only one watching our YouTube videos, to be honest. I was, <laughs> I was replaying it to get the most views. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it, it was it was difficult back in the day because oh, internet was slow. I uh, yep. can't even watch YouTube. Uh, I was the only one watching it and then I was trying to push views but at least we can say we've hit a thousand views, right? Right. Um, and it came to a point where I remember we were all going to give up. Like we're, we're saying that, you know, yeah. it's not working out. Uh, I think we've exhausted all our savings. Mm. You know what, guys, let's call it the day. But for some reason, you know, what's very interesting is that a simple shift in Google algorithm changed the whole thing. Wow. And that was amazing. That was parang, then it, it dawned to me that, wow, it really just takes one thing. But we, right. it took us like four or five, uh, well, three to four years before we got to that stage where suddenly we were number one at everything. Correct. And and number one, you were. Because again, at the end of the day, there's not a lot of people who were in the content game. And again, content is not an easy... I mean, I'm experiencing it now. Little <laughs> that I know that this is going to be my business. All I wanted to do is create a podcast. Now we're powering hundreds and hundreds of podcasts. <laughs> what the hell did I just do? Um, and it's not easy because you're... First of all, um, it's easy to create a, a, a something in terms of a concept, just like a startup. But will it get traction? Will it, it's, it's very similar to actually startups. Uh, will it? Will people care? Will people even you know use it? Right? It, it's hard to do now. In in that stint, because you've done this in 2007 to 2015, I knew you did also one thing that was very um, first in in the industry in Blogapalooza. I remember this was just being an event, right? Then eventually it became a business again. Shout out to our season one guest, H. Gapu, who I still reference till now, which became eventually a startup of its own. But walk, walk us through that Blogapalooza evolution from being an event to becoming a, a full-fledged startup eventually. Sure. So at that time, when we were doing When in Manila, we saw that Wow, parang, there's so many brands out there wanting us to go to them, right? To feature their business. And we can't go to all of them because there's only a few of us. So we thought, oh, what if we put them all in one place, right? And then since we're, we're already there, might as well invite other influencers or at least at that time, bloggers, right? That's why it's called Blogapalooza to come over and, and experience the same thing, right? And in that case, we make that as a new business model for When in Manila. Hence, the whole Blogapalooza was born. Uh, we tried the concept where in, uh, influencers or bloggers were able to receive the actual product. So the, when they review, it's not like they just give away those crappy t-shirts. There's ball pens that you get an exhibit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> those crap. <laughs> so, uh, you get the actual product. Yeah, you get the actual product. You test it at home and then you feature whether it's really great or not. And it's up mm. to you. You, be, you being honest about what you say about it. But that was the concept around it. Yeah, but how did it turn into a real startup at that point? And how did you decide that, all right, I need a master boodler called Ace Gapos to boodle everybody uh, to make this work? Well, at that point, I think the startups were popping up. The, start, the word startup suddenly came about. Because hey, we yeah. started at 2011. We were doing it as an event year on year. And then 2013, suddenly the word startup started to come up, right? Okay. Suddenly, all the different VCs started to, to come up as well. And at the time, I was thinking, you know what? The, the biggest disconnect, we knew the pain points from the business side and we knew the pain points on the blogger side. 
Therefore, yeah. para nakita namin na there's an opportunity in the middle where if we had created this thing that could connect both of them, mm. we can solve a lot of the issues. So that's what we're doing now. And again, you founded this over, and most of the time, founders really stick it through till the end. Again, they don't want to. That's that's the curse of the founder. They don't want to leave the driver's seat. But for you, you've seen someone who is a perfect fit for what this was going to be. I want to understand because again, this is not common that I've seen it. Right, um, where a founder takes the back seat, let someone takes over, especially in scaling and at, at scaling point, right? Most of the time, I see that happening when it's already at growth stage, where you know, like a Martha uh, Sazon will come in and just blow the whole the whole thing up, right? But not at, a, at an er, at this early stage. What triggered you to let Ace take the wheel? Right at that time, because it was an event. So at the time we were contemplating, you know, is it even worth continuing? What should we do? And at the time, I also had my own startup, which is Social Life back then. Correct. So I started it with my wife, diba? So sabi ko, okay, I need someone to focus on this. And the best part was that Ace were one of our sponsors under Grab back then. And I was like, oh, that I remember. And then I remember messaging her. And asking her, hey, are you? What are you doing now, right? And then, you know, getting to do the interview without telling her that there is an interview. <laughs> so you boodled the boodler, the master boodler. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great. And then happy wow. that she fit the bill, diba? And she fit the deal. I mean, you got the perfect person to run it. I've exactly. never met, met again. There's very, uh, very few people that can, uh, you know, light a candle against Ace. Ace is a one of a kind hustler. And you know, if if you need someone who's just gonna bring in the work and br- and shut everybody up with with the uh, with the results, that's the girl you need, and that's great. Now let's talk about the other startup, Social Light, right? At at this point, you again, that was the focus because this is also where you experience triumph and again heartache at the same time. Let's let's talk about the 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 start of that first. What was Social Light, and what was the problem you were trying to solve back then? Right. So initially, when we started, it was the problem of restaurants in marketing. Because coming from the wedding Manila experience, we realized that a lot of the businesses didn't know how to make, uh, their marketing sustainable. So they yeah. would go to these media outlets and then hope and pray that their sales go up. Right. It mm. goes up on the first month when when they're hot. But the, the moment that they've been featured, there's no second feature. They're not going to feature you all the time. Right. Therefore, sales drop significantly. And there's no way to sustain it. That's the problem of most businesses that mm-hmm. we were doing. And we wanted to give them a way where we put the Wi-Fi up in the restaurant. Back then, you know, it was cool to ask the restaurant, do you have Wi-Fi? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Data was so expensive. Right, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... When you get those um, details, you're able to give the detail of the, the customer will have to register. Therefore, now you know who your customers are from a restaurant's perspective. Makes sense. Therefore, remarket at a very cheap rate. That, that was the original concept we started with. Got it. Now, what, again, just like the restaurants that you're helping, eventually you found traction early. But also, eventually, just like the startups that you're also helping, there were there was going to be the throw of sorrow, right? So how did you build that up? Or what was that like? And then what were the challenges you had to over, over, overcome? Sure. The, the biggest pain point I say with that is that at the time, I was distributing 
<clears throat> a solution in in uh, from the UK actually. And that was hardware and, too, huh? plus yeah, software. Yeah, exactly. In mm-hmm. hardware and software, right? So it was very hard to just. Parang the margins were strict, and then suddenly you have to distribute. They don't want. They don't even want to do localization because your market is too small compared to other markets, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, when we were doing it, there's a lot of pain points. Like, you know, parang they were asking for something, some other feature, but you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Or there are some certain requirements that were locally relevant, but it doesn't work with you because your solution is for Europe and, and other countries, right? Makes and that's sense. the biggest issue that we had. All right. Now, again, when it, be, it you, you were built for this type of stuff and you fought hard and valiantly. Right. I mean, t- technically, you're still fighting now. But what were the biggest hurdles you had to overcome? Because again, again, the the behaviors changed. Data became cheaper. People don't really ask for Wi-Fi anymore because again, people don't trust a, a, a lot of these public Wi-Fi's as much anymore because again, people data get stolen and you know phishing and all that stuff. So a lot of things uh, can happen. Just like how that algorithm change can happen overnight. What were the biggest challenges that you had to over, uh, over, like I mean, had to overcome, and how did that uh, change your perspective and how to like you know uh, plow through? Okay, actually, the, the whole socialite experience was very different from most of the startup stories because uh, unlike most that raise funds and raise funds and build all the way to the exit, what happened to us was uh, we raised our seed round. Okay. And then three months later, we were acquired. What? So that was that. We were like, oh, okay. So acquisition player. I remember you were part of the finishers, the book. Exactly. Exactly. At the time, they came over. Actually, as an ASX listed company, they came over and they're like, yep, that's interesting. We want to work with you guys because we have an old school technology back in Australia and we want to upgrade that now with your technology. Wow. Okay, but what happened during it? Because again, I have my own post-acquisition story. Oh, yeah. Now I can talk about it, right? But (laughs) with you, what happened? Well, I can't disclose a lot, right? It's all all under the mind. There's a disclosure in ASX. Same with you. We're not going to get in trouble here, you know what I'm saying? But (laughs) whatever you can share, right? Okay. So what I can share is that we mutually backed out at the end. Um, You know, that's kind of what happened there. So... Uh, the, the transaction just never pushed through and we decided, okay, let's go our separate ways. So we took the company back. That's what happened. There. Man, that's tough. Because again, I'll, I'll, I'll share my, my piece. Mine went through. And that's why, again, I was able to, I, I ran it for three years until last year. Again, the, the buyer of Chatbot PH decided to pull, pull the plug. It's like, a bevy of things. Again, uh, the number one narrative is the pandemic hit. And when you sell a company, you, in, in exchange for all the hustle that you get, you lose one thing that a lot of startups need when they're scaling, which is control. When, it, when now there's multiple layers of approvals that you need to get for the, the basic things that you can do and decide on as a founding team, it goes away, right? And now you're slower. And speed is the number one weapon and agility of a startup. You cannot operate a startup like a conglomerate. There's no way, you, even if you operate like a startup, you, your, your chances of survival are already small. What more if you're doing that? So, bevy of things happen, people quit, 
you know, the mother company also got hit. Uh, so again, Sterling got hit a little bit with the thing. And eventually they had to pull the plug and cut losses. And we were one of those things. I mean, we, I tried. It was hard as hell to try to keep it afloat. But again, the writing is on the wall. When you have, so when you're listening to this and you have a, you have a startup, right? And you say that, all right, I want to get acquired. I want to exit too. It's rare that a founder gets to number one, run his startup post-acquisition. Mm-hmm. And number two, you don't have control anymore. Exactly. It does not matter what you think and what you want to do because there's a new sheriff in town and they can do whatever the hell they want. So you just, just know that. Because a lot of startup founders that listen to this are, are coming in like, but I love my startup. I don't want to ever let go. If you don't want to let go, then don't exit or go IPO. That's your only exit route. But if you're going through the acquisition route, which majority of the exits in Southeast Asia happen to you, you have to understand that, that you lose your baby eventually. So that's it. That's just my two cents. And the post-acquisition story. I haven't (laughs) told that uh, publicly in this podcast yet. That's the first time. Because it's you. So it has to be special, my man. That's it. (laughs) Because we share the same thing. But before we take our first break, so after you, you took it back, and a lot of DD and a lot of freaking broken hearts were probably going to be there, especially like, shit, this is it, we're ready then, and then it didn't pull through. How did you then survive? Because even planning and everything else must have been geared towards that already. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we had to navigate through tough waters then. No? So we took the company back. Of course, you know, cash-wise, you're already drained. Uh, you're yeah. tired because I thought this was it and then suddenly hey we're going to go back and do it again mm. so you know we, we navigated through that right so we we put the team together we you know replanned and then suddenly at the time what was great was that internet prices went down mm. so that was interesting we're like oh now Philippines is ready because before it was very tough not everyone could, could afford Wi-Fi in their establishment and now everyone has to have wi-fi right. and that was the beauty of that moment that roughly about 2016 we suddenly saw that you know wow internet is now accessible it's cheaper therefore there was a concept now for us to build um, and that's where we twisted the concept now and then started to rally everyone together and raise funding for that got it now what was it like raising funding because i still remember doing a couple pitches with you pre-pandemic <laughs> literally months before you know, and it's not never easy. It's never, never ever easy. easy raising funding anywhere, right? And especially as people think that, ah, look at these guys raising millions and millions of dollars. Dude, those guys are amazing. I don't know how they're doing it, but man, it's freaking hard. How was that like for you? No, it was very tough. You know, we traveled all around, man. Like, you know, we, we went to Singapore, Hong Kong, Taiwan, name it, we've been there. Uh, even China, for that matter, wow. like raising uh, left and right, we pitched to any investor that we could ever find, right? I, I, I lost count of how many investors yeah. <laughs> did I reach out to. And, you know, luckily we did find some investors. Like, you know, we had the likes of, uh, you know, Surepass who helped wow. us out during the time. You know, we had, uh, you know, JJ Attential, which also invested. There's also, you know, Cerebral Labs who also invested in us. 
it was really lucky for us to have received those funding. Because those were the moments that you know, you know that the next day you don't have payroll anymore, yes. <laughs> and then suddenly it's like shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> we need the money now. Scary <laughs> as hell. Uh, similarly, again, um, you're the head of Nine One Seven Ventures, Vince Yamat, went went to similar things also when he had to put up his own startup, right? And it's never easy. And then the pandemic fucking hit. But all right, let's take our first break. And I want to now talk about what did the pandemic do to you and how you eventually went to the greatest and the biggest corporate venture builder in the Philippines. Let's talk about that more after the break. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph that's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck, and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back in the break. We are still with Francis Missim, who now told us his entrepreneurial journey and how hard it is to freaking navigate uh, tough waters. But again, um, it's not yet uh, ready. I mean, it, it's everything that you went through is just preparing for you for this big ass behemoth that, that swept us all away. The biggest rug pull that ever happened in the history of, again, modern mankind. What was that pandemic uh, like for Socialite and what led you to join 917? Okay. With Socialite, it was very interesting at that time. Uh, our concept has pivoted towards a community Wi Fi. So we used to put up Wi Fi in low income communities. So <clears throat> imagine that being such a big market because there's no internet or mobile signal in those areas. The moment you put up, you don't even market it. They find out and they will find a way to access it. 
no matter what. And that's the beauty of that. Eh. We were never marketing. Traction just went instantly. We had at least a million users. What? Right? In a short span of time. Amazing. And that was so amazing. And we're like, wow, that's it. We've, we found it, right? Yeah. And then during, before the tail end of uh, December, I remember we even won uh, a grant from Philip Morris. So we... Wow. we, <laughs> so we pitched money, grant. man. That's what it is. We pitched for it, right? <laughs> we, we pitched for the innovation challenge. And we, wow. we flew to Hong Kong for the finals. And we won the grand prize at the time. Did it so come with free or see? A lot of Yossi as well. Wala, wala. Man, they duped you there. Happy. Just kidding. All right, just kidding. Yeah, we were wow. so happy we won that grant, right? So it helped us a lot. But at that time, suddenly brands started to take notice. Mm. Like, wow, these guys are doing... Because what we did was, you guys can exchange the empty plastic wrappers you buy from a Sari Sari store and turn it into free Wi-Fi. So imagine, I would buy uh. a product that will give me free Wi-Fi than the ones that don't, right? Even if it costs me a bit more because it's cheaper because I get Wi-Fi. Correct. Right? So, so no more pisonet. Your sachet no is the equivalent of your pisonet. There you go. Correct. And then suddenly, the brands suddenly get data from who's consuming what in those areas, right? Makes sense. And that was very valuable. And we were signing up left and right. We were getting interest from all the different brands. Mm-hmm. Name the biggest brands we've got in it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometime February, we were just about to send the contracts. We were oh, like, hell oh, no. Here That's we it. go. You know, we hustled and we're here. Mm. We're just going to close them. We're just going to send the contract over and we're done and we're going to raise the next round and then hopefully things are going to fly, right? Yeah. And then March suddenly fucked it up oh, and there's lockdown, right? March came. And suddenly ah. you just try to call everyone and nobody's picking up. Right? Yep. And nobody's picking up. And you're trying, hey man, you know, you've committed. And they're like, oh shoot, sorry man. This has changed completely. So we can't commit anymore. And you're like, you're lost. And you don't know what to do. Right? At the yep. time. Same, same exact same thing with the, that happened with the chatbot business. Right? Uh, again, everybody, I mean, it was easy. At, at that point, chatbot PH was like, yeah, I want a chatbot because everybody wanted to do digital. Yeah. But everybody wanted it for free. Exactly. Like, bro, how am I going to freaking pay my payroll? How, what, what am I going to tell Sterling? Like, oh, yeah, I have 10 new clients all free. And I couldn't blame them because how are you going to pay for that, in, again, uh, infra if you don't right. have that, right? Plus, even the mother company didn't even have enough a nest egg to sustain how long that lockdown was going to be. Right? Exactly. And eventually, you're going to have to take a, make the, the tough call. And I can't blame them. I mean, they did. I would have done the same thing probably even sooner uh, if it meant the, the, the health of the whole thing. So for you, what was a big hard decision that you take? I mean, oh, I'm just man. literally personally lucky because I had this podcast network agent thing on the side and that took off. That was totally lucky. Because if I didn't do this, I would have been freaking fucked earlier. Oh, yeah. But for you, what are the what's the hard hard decision you had to make? Well, there's a lot, no. Because us as management, as the founders, right? We've stopped taking salaries. Because at the time we were raising oh, last uh, 2019, right? And we've been hmm. trying. So the way to extend our runway, we said, okay, all management, stop. Yep. So we sacrificed everything um, starting in 2019. So when it hit. 
Kasi at the time, we were like, oh yes, payroll's gonna come back and we're gonna be okay. But suddenly, yeah. it, and then suddenly, shit, okay, we're, we're now not only gonna cut ourselves, but by the way, we're gonna cut some people off. Yep. Kasi at the time, we didn't know when is it gonna last, you know, how long is it gonna last, right? Mm. Are we even gonna go back to normal? And at the time, we were looking at it, we, we tried, we pushed it, pero nothing seems to budge, right? Mm-hmm. Luckily, we found we, we still have Philip Morris, which at the time was great. And then, you know, for some reason, it couldn't sustain everyone else, right? Yeah. The money was pipeline, up. man. That's it. And then exactly. zero pipeline, how are you going to cope? Right. Exactly. So we started we, we started to cut people in batches. Wow. So that was the first That's thing. It's been heartbreaking. I know the feeling. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been tough. And then we had to let go of the office. And then, you oh, know, one by one. Yeah. I went through the same thing. Office and yeah, it's very difficult. View, right? And again, again, we're, we're not here to compare how difficult it is, but I just empathize. I know how it feels. Oh, but yeah. you know what? Like what you said, you're built for this shit, right? You have to survive, right? Now, it's not the end of the tunnel. It's what you do after this that, that makes sense. And I think that's what led you to 917. And I want to understand from your point of view. What was it in 917 that you, you, you saw that can be the continuation of the entrepreneurial hustle? Because not everyone has this humility in them. Everybody's like, no, I'm only going to be founder forever. I'll be CEO forever. Pakishet. No. Night Globe. No, I don't want to do that. Right. And I can't blame them. I, I, I have that. I have that too. But when there's bills to pay and there's kids to feed, Bruh, I'll do that in a heartbeat. How? What did you do? Yeah, I mean, for me at the time, so social life wasn't really going well, and of course, you know, I, I haven't even had any income at all for you know, more than a year. So I was trying to balance it. It was actually early this year that I joined Nine One Seven. One of the reasons why, you know, I said I still wanted to pursue an entrepreneurial route, and Nine One Seven gave me that opportunity. You know, wow. doing startups, doing doing ventures, and all of these things that. You know, it's just done on a, I guess, a corporate setting, but technically, internally, it's still a startup, right? It, that you're building. Same Correct. process, same thing. Nothing, nothing yeah. different. It's just corporate that funds it, right? Exactly. And, and then I you have access to all these resources, pa. So, you know, which is uh, the the unfair advantage because exactly. a startup are like we have nothing, literally nothing, and here you have the freaking artillery and the treasure trove that is called globe. Dude, we're we're throwing sticks and stones, and they're shooting guns. At us. Exactly, <laughs> cannons, <laughs> torpedoes, and atomic bombs. Right, ninety million subscribers at the just like having Thanos' freaking gauntlet and all the infinite stones, right? That's that's how it feels. But I want to understand now. To to be very specific, you joined them Feb twenty twenty one this year, uh, earlier last year, when you you did this. And as an entrepreneur in residence, because we've had we've talked about this also last year when we had the Velocity program encouraging new founders to start creating companies with Globe through the 917 Ventures route. What's it like? Because I, I always say, say this in this podcast, and I said it in the Cholo Tagaytay episode of Consulta MD last year. If I was starting out, I would take this route in a heartbeat because it allows me to learn the number one thing that entrepreneurs and startup founders to do. The most important thing is how to fucking operate a startup. It's easy to always say, yeah, I want to validate my fucking idea. I want to create a team, blah, blah, blah. Yes, those are building blocks. 
But the one thing that there's still a big fucking hole in this in, in, in this ecosystem. I don't care how much money is being thrown to this ecosystem. We still lack a dearth of operators, of good operators in the ecosystem. And this tells you how to operate in a top-notch way. So can you describe to me what's that like in the setting of an entrepreneur in residence in 917B? Right. So, so I guess the entrepreneur in residence in our context is quite different. So entrepreneur in residence exactly means what it means, right? So you're an entrepreneur and you're in residence in the, in the 917 office, right? Correct. Uh, and what you would normally call as founders are what we call venture builders. So they're the guys mm. that do the day-to-day, make sure that you know we're going to do all of these. And the entrepreneur in residence are the ones that guide them. So think of them like a CEO, COO partner. They're, they're both helping each other out to build the venture together. Okay. Now, uh-huh. as you're, as an EIR, so again, venture builder is the founder. They think of the concept, they build the team. What's your function as EIR then? And then we, we do that process. We go through that process with them. Uh, the, ah. the, the biggest issue is, that's what you said, right? They don't know what to do, right? Oh, like, oh, how do I sort out my finance? How do I do this? How do I do that, right? And an entrepreneur in residence comes in and tells them, oh, this is what you need to do. Right, and Got sets it. everything up. And now at that point, you're you're put in this position because you've had it all, right? You've come to this. Where does this past experience in social life, in Blagapalooza, and when in Manila come in? Because again, none of this stuff is taught by the book. You freaking went through this yourself, and that's probably why you got in this position. Because at at this point, a lot of what you're seeing is not freaking theory. It's through experience. It's something you had to go through yourself whether it was a painful or a glorious experience it's something that's personal to you correct correct actually yeah that's the that's the beauty of this no? having that experience it's it's a blessing and a curse right so you're too general as a person you know everything about everything right okay. uh, but there's you don't specialize in one thing because you can do everything technically right. speaking you're right? a super swiss knife exactly it's like right. a swiss knife and you don't know what role you want to take, right? Because right. technically, you, you can be anything. And then that, that was a difficulty. And 917 kind of gave that position that, you know, a certain level of respect mm-hmm. where it becomes its own position that, you know, oh, by the way, you know, you can do this and that. Uh, you can start venture. So you, you need to do the whole discipline of, a, you know, of an entrepreneur or a founder. So right. that was what I enjoyed. Like, I, you know, for me, having the backing of uh, the likes of Globe and then suddenly being able to do tech ventures, I mean, you know, yeah. it's the worst that could happen, right? Correct. That's the both worlds right there. And it's not your, your, your whole thing at the, it's, you don't have to race. I mean, you have all those resources already at your disposal. But I want to understand as well, because again, I, I mentioned earlier that bureaucracy is the easiest killer of startups. It, your, your only advantage is speed. The only thing I don't care if you have first mover advantage, someone with a shit ton of money can catch up with you if they just threw money at it. It's only speed. How fast is it, and how uncorporate is the setup in nine one seven B? Because again, you we're, we're about to talk about one one venture in particular here, which is Codeco. Um, what are the things, and how different is it from a corporate perspective, say in the mothership in Globe versus how different things are run in nine one seven B? So we were blessed with, you know, really great leaders. No? So if you look at the profile of the leaders, like our managing director, Vince, right? Yeah. Vince, yeah. Uh, you have others like Glenn Australia, Mikey, and, and others that are within the team. And Tasha, of course, right? Coming from yeah. the start. 
we're, we're really not built that way. What's, what's great about it is they understand the process of building startups and, and they understand, you know, the removal of all this bureaucratic stuff that will slow things down. Exactly. And that's, that's the beauty of this. You're working with guys who have experience as well, who are the best in the best in what they do. Mm. And then you're able to then remove all the different stuff that usually stops you from being a corporate, right? Or at least stopping you to succeed as a cor- I guess as a corporate venture builder. So that's the, that's the great thing about this. We have the right people in the team. Now, with the right people in the team comes the right startups in the fold. And there's this particular startup. So again, we have a shit ton. We're not going to be able to talk about everything else here at the moment, unfortunately. But just to give an idea before we zero in on code goal, what are the startups within the 917 family that you guys have already created? Just to show how fucking massive this is already. Sure. So, uh, you know, talking about our later stage ventures, uh, there's the likes of Gcash. Uh, there's the likes of Consulta MD, which you guys have interviewed, mm-hmm. HealthNow, PureGo, Rush. And, you know, there's, there's so much more in the pipe, actually. And now CodeGo is coming into that picture as well and, and, you know, being part of that family as well. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. And again... These are tried and tested. These are not just ideas anymore. These have, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a variety. Um, there's, I, I mean, uh, validation stage, scale, unicorn status, and all that. So again, you get to learn from every single uh, thing in the book, how to build teams and whatnot. Now let's talk about that very particular startup, which is CodeGo. What is CodeGo? And what is this trying to solve? Because again, this is very particular about, again, Talent uh, deficiency. You cannot build good tech. You don't have great devs. And there's a big difference between... We have a shit ton of devs, but they're all juniors. But they can't build... You can't build a great product with junior devs who don't have experience. But what is the particular problem you guys are solving here? Sure. So I I guess you look at CodeGo, right? So in Tagalog... You read it in Tagalog. Codigo. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> nice name. Subliminal in nature. Oh, subliminal, subliminal. Subliminal. But siguro, the, the way to look at it, right? Um, if you look at Globe, kasi, you know, we're, we're one of the most tech-driven companies around, yeah. right? So many uh, you know, tech-related ventures, uh, tech in every business. Traditional or not, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what's great is that you, you suddenly see during this pandemic that there's a shortage of developers, as you mentioned earlier. Like, grab it. Like, you know, there's so many people looking for developers out there. Regardless, huh? they're not even talking about junior, senior, mid anymore. They're like, freaking give me a developer. I'll, ha- I'll be happy to pay you, right? Correct. And there's just not money. enough supply. And then the supply that's out there. So I, 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 I experienced this firsthand in Chatbot PH. Mm-hmm. So we were pioneer, right? You were the first one, the biggest one in chatbot development. So this is what it was. Everybody, of course, we got. Uh, we were very noisy. But by default, I'm noisy by default, regardless if you it's in person or in social media. I know that's my hustle, right? So, man, they took notice, and one by one, your your the the people that you develop gets offered three x of what they're making. Exactly. And if you're a startup. I don't care how much money you have, you cannot afford that. So you're always developing this new talent that you're again eventually going to retrain, only to see them get poached again. 
by somebody who has 3x more money than you. But again, you're absolutely right. There's just not enough quality devs or even devs around because there's so many people that want to create good tech. But you, you're only as good as the developers that you hire. How are you now filling that gap? Yeah, so so with that gap, kasi, we noticed that there's a lot of graduates out there, diba? like IT-related graduates. Some even studied development, right? But it's just the school wasn't able to equip them enough to become an industry-ready person. True. When they go to interviews, they often fail. They don't know, parang, how do I, you know, how do I do this or how do I do that? Because they they're using old school technology to teach them the same thing, but then they have to learn the new stuff, right? Yeah. And that's where we are at. We're the middleman that gets them industry ready. Now, whether you are a fresh grad or whether you are a career shifter, right? So there's a lot of people who lost their jobs during the pandemic and suddenly yeah. they want to know, can I do something else, right? And this is the perfect way to get into the new thing. Makes sense. Now, how do you specifically do it if we do, do a deep dive? Because again, not everybody are devs. Not everybody are, again, um, have, have IT in their head. But if you're trying to fill that gap, you need to get the right type of people first and also the right type of trainers that can actually make, make do or, or develop that type of talent to someone who can contribute in a startup. Correct, correct. Yeah, actually, so that's where we started to look for industry experts, no? So people who have done it, who have developed for others, uh, however, wants to take parang a backseat and wants to teach, right? Because there's a lot of people who like to teach, right? It's either mm. can't do it anymore and you want to teach, right? right? And that's what they do. Uh, they they wanted to learn, they wanted to teach people, and we got those guys on board, mm. and we got people who are both career shifters or IT graduates. Uh, we even had one story where we had one high school undergrad. So he never finished high school. And he went what? through the boot camp. And man, he has a job now. Right? Wow. Amazing. Right. So again, just goes to show that this is not rocket science that you don't have. It can be taught. But you yeah. have to, again, again, get the right talent and the right eco- uh, uh, teachers to teach it. Now, I want to understand that. that that's, uh, so again, supply and demand. Right, but when it comes to the people that uh, you know help evolve this type of raw talent, how did you even get the right people to be the teachers? Because this is not easy. It takes a lot of time, repetition, and experience to teach someone who doesn't have an idea of how to fucking code, especially if you're a kid, to you know con- be able to be a uh, contributor in, in the space. Yeah, what's great with that is that, you know, the instructors uh, and us, we put together a curriculum where we're able to teach you very quickly. Uh, the goal is for you to be industry ready in 12 weeks so that you can start getting paid right away. You, have to, you don't have to wait till a year before you finish the course and get paid, right? So in three months, the goal is for you to get paid. And that's what we do, right? And that's what is amazing for most of it. And plus, it's a study now, pay later, right? So you study now and I pay later. So I don't have to put anything wow. up front. But in terms of placements, do you also help them out? Because at the end of the day, you know, even if they know how to code, but eventually nobody wants to hire them, where do they end up? Is it also within the 917 family as well? That's the beauty of this now, right? Now, mm-hmm. you look at our group. So there's Globe, there's Ayala, um, and there's a single uh, that we're all part of. Right. And look at those companies associated to those, right? Imagine how many heads there are and how many are needed especially developers during this right. pandemic you look at just Ayala and you look at you know how many developers do they need 
right? To upgrade their systems. Makes sense. Right. So that's where we're able to fill the gap, right? So from the from the group itself, there's a lot of companies that we already place people yeah. in. You're just literally waiting for that job to come in and, and which which startup you're gonna end up. That's fucking amazing. Now, if you are talking about the supply, and someone is listening to this, like, my God, I want to be a dev too. I want to be placed. Someone wants to join the the next cohort or the next batch. Where? How does one get into this? What's the qualification? Yeah. So for for this, you know, you just really try to apply, right? We don't we don't try to just go in and say, you know, you're not qualified. We give everyone a chance. Uh, and if you if you look at it, we've seen profiles of people who succeed and who don't, right? And and we'll we'll try to help either way. And, and mm. you know we'll we always get a lot of applicants. As a matter of fact, we have uh, our batch uh, six right now happening. So we're getting people to apply for our uh, software engineering bootcamp. Uh, so if anyone wants to go, you know, just just come by our website and sign up. And where do they go to do that? CodeGo.ph. Code go with a K. Code go, okay? Yeah. Code, code go. go. Code go. There you go. That pH. <laughs> so again, if you know someone, again, we're, we live in a very crazy time where you can now become a dev even if you don't, you didn't take up computer science or IT. You're, we live in a day where you can actually make money fucking playing games. Exactly. And that's all enabled by the startup ecosystem. And I don't know what else is going to happen this year, but if something crazy comes out, I'm not. Dude, you, you made anymore. podcasting as a living man. Hey, <laughs> I have no idea how I did it, but it is an See, industry for now. Shows you've been making it, man. You've been making those shows shine and getting the sponsorships. Right, and again, it's we now have a new platform as well. We've turned this whole thing, bro, into a SaaS, a SaaS model. Exactly. So anybody wants to freaking want to create a podcast but don't want to edit it. We have made a platform that does all the dirty work for you, like how we've done it for the hundreds of podcasts that we have, regardless of the language. So I'm, I'm plugging to. It's called podmachine.com. <laughs> so, and for just as low as 50 bucks, bro, two pipe. What is two pipe versus four hours of your time to create one episode? I'd take two pipe for four episodes so I don't have to freaking edit this. So that's what I use in Hustle Share. That's that's my secret sauce. So that's why I can still have a life. <laughs> not exactly. I will not have will a life. Up. Exactly. All right. Now let's take our last break, and when we come back, I want to pay it forward because you've done an amazing job, and I want to also understand what's up next for Nine One Seven Ventures in twenty twenty two. We'll talk about that more after the break. Hey, hustlers! It's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprouts Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. 
So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023 and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor Dragon Pay is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer. Trust Dragon Pay. And we're back in the break. We are still with Francis Missing who now taught us how the Código, everybody, uh, especially in the 917 group, fill up the pipeline of great devs that can contribute. But aside from this, right, what else is exciting from your point of view in uh, 917? Because again, again, startups, you're not just exposed to one. And if your role is to mentor and help people that, um, that, that, that are, again, literally you five, six, seven years ago, what are the type of you know, startups and founders you're encountering in this ecosystem? No, what, what's really exciting there you know, is that you know on on the venture builder side or, or uh, founders as we call it, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys who are so enthusiastic. You know, unlike before, you, you kind of have your doubts, right? Your parents will slap you in the face and tell you that startups are not a real thing, right? Their unicorns mm-hmm. are not real. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you get that. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, don't make venta. No, venta. You don't, don't go home. <laughs> exactly. So, so now it's like they want to do it. And it's cool, right? And that's, that's great. And then at the same time, with 917, what's, what's really amazing is that the resources that are there, right? For us to solve everyday Filipino problems. Mm. That's, that's the most important thing. Because for us in the law, you know, as a startup founder, you know, you've been looking for problems and then suddenly no one funds you. Mm. All of this, we've got in-house. Everything. Everything you ever need is there. And you don't even have to step out. And you can just build and you can focus on what's really important, which is a problem-solving part of the business. Right. But on a founder level, this is what I want to understand. Because I'm, my guess is the typical problems that a founder or a venture builder in 917 are the same problems that us entrepreneurs or us founders did our experience before, like how to build a team, how to create product, and all these, these, these basic things that are just little variations of it. 
pretty sure that exists there too. And a lot of these problems, we've gone through it before. But and but how do you net now then teach these guys to overcome those problems that again you've been through as well? Oh, what's great because if you look at it from our uh, department perspective, uh, there's a lot of senior guys, you know, who's done it before as well in their respective fields. And they're the ones guiding them then. So, for example, in the product and technology, we have someone who's really experienced who's guiding them through these processes, right? Or there's a people group that does all the different people set up and all the different hiring you'd ever need, right? So, in wow. essence, there's a lot of people that will guide you. But what's great with that is that I'm able to impart with them then their experience on you know, how do you manage certain things or how do you prioritize certain things, right? And all of these things come to you as parang, all these experts, right, are okay. ready and it's right there in front of you, helping you. And mm. those are the beauty of this, this whole setup. Eh? You, you get mm. all the resources you need, even the advice and the knowledge and mm. insights, right? But what type of advice do they ask for typically? Okay, I'm com- coming well, in from the a same path. thing, yeah. man. It's the same thing from us, right? We would ask, you know, like, how do I manage this? How do I do contracts? How do I, how do I sell this thing? How do I build the product, right? How do I maintain the product? Who do I talk to and what do I do, right? All of these things, you know, we've gone through it before and it's so easy because now we know, right? It's, it's yes. as simple as that. And that's what I want to impart here in this episode because we, we have an OG in the house, right? And this is what... I want to impart with the young founders that are here, Gen Z or young Zillennials, whatever you want to call yourselves. We're happy that the industry has gone so many great startups that have gone YC, that have raised millions and millions of dollars. But if there's just one thing that Francis and I would probably echo here is please, 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 please don't make the same mistakes we did. Because the same mistakes we had to go through of fucking up, you know, hiring, fucking up product, burning through cash like a motherfucker, you know, uh, all these things will come haunting not just you, but the whole ecosystem. We rely on you youngins now to be the light, the social light, the light to guide us through. We are following your lead. So here's what's at stake. And this is what I want to also get your take in. You see all these new young startup founders, young 20-something, raising millions and millions of dollars. And I'm happy. Finally, these types of checks and valuations are, are happening here. But at the end of the day, guys, you have to deliver that traction to validate that valuation. But, and I've seen this happen before too. It's come in a couple of waves. It's happened early, but of, of course, smaller checks. Early 2012, the first startup wave. And then around 2015, 2016, the, yep. you know, Just about that. big frenzy. And then a lot of the startups there didn't make it. And you know who got hurt? It's not just the, the founders of that startup. It's everybody else. Because now nobody t- wants to touch the Philippines again. And I hope we don't make that same mistake again. Because once these valuations start, you know, the bubble bursts. And I hope it doesn't, please. Do it. So I suggest if you're a young startup founder and you're 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 struggling, you're 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 not sure, reach out to, to us, to those people who have fucked up before. Because just learn from our mistakes now, please. Because if you fuck it up too, everyone else after you and with you 
will experience that crunch. But in your in your point of view, Francis, if you if you have a message to the whole ecosystem, because this is unprecedented in terms of growth, my God. This is the best yeah. era of our startup ecosystem. But what what are the lessons you want to learn? I mean, you want to teach the founder ecosystem that we have. Right. Yeah. For me, it's it's really about, you know, like what you said, right? It, it's good to talk to guys who have done it before. Uh, it's not like we're unreachable. We're right even here. especially those ones that failed, uh, the exactly. one that failed, talk to them because we have more, more learnings to share to you of what not to do. Yeah, exactly. So I guess, you know, talking to people like us who's, who's been there and done that and failed, right? These are things that you can learn a lot from and hopefully not repeat the same mistakes. And aside from that, really getting to know what what how it came about, right? Because now you see a lot of money, you forget what was the history of this, right? And knowing that history makes you understand why it is so, right? And if you're not careful, you will repeat the same thing. Yes. And the consequences are bigger at that point. Because guys... I've, in, in, in our time, which makes me fucking feel old <laughs> talking about this shit. But this was just five, six years ago. Again, I've been around since 20 freaking 10, right? But in our time, you know, the, the stakes were lower. But man, the consequences, they're, they're, the, the, the main consensus of regional investors is that the Philippines don't have quality founders. That's what they say verbatim. I disagree now. Because look at the Sunicorns and even the unicorns, the G-Cashes of the world, that's Filipino-led, the, the great deals of the world, the Kumus of the world, the groceries of the world, and all the next ones in line after that. Those are, those are Filipino-led, but we need continuous growth. And exactly. please don't make the same mistake. I mean, another, another a classic example, Ray Rifundo, Quickwire. That guy has, if you if you want to learn a shit ton, go, go to that old guy. That's the real OG, man. That's the real old guy. <laughs> OG, that's old guy. <laughs> no, but that guy has been through it all. And he's built a real profitable startup. You're not here chasing valuations. You're not here chasing the accolades. The 30, the under 30, the tattler, that doesn't matter. Doesn't do shit. As long as you freaking actually help your your company or your your the customer solve a problem at scale and you make more money than you actually spend, that's the goal, right? Exactly. Francis, I want to zero in. If we just uh, narrow down on like the top three mistakes that you don't want other founders to do from your journey, what would those be? I guess one thing is, of course, you have to pick your team wisely, right? Um, and that's that's one of the most critical ones, especially when you're starting up. This is going to take a mental toll on you, uh, you know, and you need the best people around you. And, and those guys will stick it with you, you know, thick or thin, right? And, and you should be looking for those guys that can do that. Uh, that's, that's definitely one. Um, second one you know, money is great, right? If you get investments. Oh, fuck me. I'll take that all day. Right? Exactly. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, this is a business, right? At the end, it's all about the customer's validation. And when they pay you, that's the ultimate validation. Everything else will follow, like funding, whatever. Mm-hmm. But customer money, that's the first thing you got to take. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what everyone tends to forget. Everyone creates a pitch deck for the investors, but never for their customers. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that could be one thing that they would do instead. Okay. Right? And lastly, it's all about, anyway, startup is just solving problems, right? We're, we're faced with a problem and we're solving it. We're just doing it in a technological way. Yes. And at the end of the day, we need to understand what is it that you are solving? What problem? Because mm-hmm. you see, our managing director keeps highlighting this. You see, Vince keeps saying this. Yep. What's the nagging problem? Is it is it really nagging? Or is it painful enough that you'll pay for it? You know, would you even sign up because it's so painful? And those are the questions that people don't seem to be asking anymore. They seem yes. to be think of an app, diba? Right? Parang, oh, let's just create an app for delivery. Oh, create an app for this. <laughs> they want super apps na nga right now. Eh. Exactly. <laughs> They're not just happy with an app. Everybody wants to create a super app. Like, what do you need a exactly. super app for? And they spend millions on nothing. And then later, bilang, oh shit, no user. I don't know what to do. What do I do? Diba? And these are the stuff that kills startups. And, and, and I think those are the things that everyone needs to watch out. All right. Now, let's t- talk about the flip side. On, on the other end, the, with now what you learned on the what well, being on the unfair advantage side what did you learn while you were in, uh, in while you're in 917 that you can share with the rest of the ecosystem in how to execute yeah what, what's great is that you know the guys that I'm with you know they these guys helped build globe to what it is today right and their knowledge from their building is is super important because then we're we're thinking you know we're thinking because startups are so so fast but the, the problem is being fast is sometimes you know we're not really doing the right thing right and and what's great is that if you have people who are there to guide you and tell you you know what this is this is great you're fast but you're doing it the wrong way so therefore you know you, you should be doing something else and and that's the beauty of this um we're learning from all these guys that have done and have built globe from the ground up and we're now doing it at a much faster rate and much smarter i would say rather than you know anything else got it all right last question before i let you go it's an amazing episode uh it started 2022 but i, I want to now understand what, what do you think what are you looking out for for the whole ecosystem because at the end of the day in your heart of hearts, you know, being the guy that first created Tectonic before when you were doing that trying to, what, what are you looking out for for the whole Filipino startup ecosystem? Because, dude, the past two years is fucking crazy, right? The ones that are thriving now is, what? <laughs> I'm just like, what? How are they doing this, right? It's so hard. Or maybe we're just old that, you know, they found a, a new fountain of youth that none of us have ever tapped into, but what are you looking out for in, in this, this, the whole eco- ecosystem and what, what's your message for the founders and the, the stakeholders, at least, the, to, to, that, that listen to the show, I guess? Well, I'm, I'm really excited that now you know, there's a lot of record-breaking fundraising right, yep. for technology startups. And it, it's great because you started to see raises that we would only imagine a Silicon Valley. Yeah. <laughs> or a Chinese valuations, even my god, exactly. The ah. valuations, but then if you look under the hood, right? And if you if you think about it and you look under the hood, their fundraisers were completely justified because of their revenues and, and the Lord. way they've structured it. Right? And that's what people forget. It. They see the fundraise, they never understood what was the foundation behind that fundraise, Correct. right? And that's that's what everyone misses. It's like 
oh wow, they raised X million, oh amazing. But really it's about what foundation have they built so that they could achieve that fundraise. Yeah. And I think that's my message as well to everyone. Uh, so that they understand what are the foundations you need to build so that you can get to that level. Correct. And it's not chamba. These guys are raising no. bazillions of, uh, of, of millions. We're, we're, we're now uh, way past that age where it's spray and pray for VCs. They know their shit. So they, they, can, they, they can smell bullshit from a, from, from a mile away. Right? And the only way you can really justify is, again, you have the, the right team. The right revenue model, the right time. How big can this get? Do you even have space in your cap table, right? And uh, are you the ones who can actually execute in this problem? Just building blocks of a good startup. But at the end of the day, again, you have to execute. And please learn from our mistakes, the ones that have died before you. Because again, a lot, of, especially those ones who are now thriving in this pandemic and the ones that have also died in this pandemic, are equally as eager to actually help out because we're rooting for everyone else. Now, if you're in a in a in a startup that is like shit, I am uh, I'm not getting any that that type of success that my peers aren't getting. Please don't be a Scrooge. Your time will come. Just run your own race. Don't feel bad that oh my god, what, what I'm I'm better than that founder. How come he's making money? Learn to applaud for everybody else. Because when, when somebody wins in the ecosystem, the whole ecosystem wins, right? And I've seen this in Indo because we have, a, again, we're, Podcast Network Asia is now heavily in Indonesia. The startup ecosystem in Indo, there's around 10 unicorns there. All those 10 unicorns have even pulled and created their own mini VC arm to help you fund founders. And I've seen that happening now. Founders cutting checks for founders, which is a beautiful thing because now the best deal you'll get is someone, an angel, especially as an angel, is a founder. Because they're not gonna, they're not there to fuck you over. They're rooting for you and even helping you out in that. And again, Francis, I'm glad we had this conversation. And thank you very much, Francis, for an amazing episode. On Hustle Sharp. But before I let you go, please invite people over again on Codigo or Codigo and what's up ahead for 917 Ventures. Yeah, dude, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for, for inviting me over. And it was a long overdue conversation. Yes. Finally, 2022. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, <laughs> pandemic, man. But yes. yeah, I'm, I'm inviting everyone you know, to, to come to codego.ph. Um, you know, do try to see opportunities that we have there. Uh, you, you guys could you'd be surprised as to suddenly finding yourself in a software engineering position and you know big companies getting you on board as a software developer and that's amazing so you know we have a bootcamp running uh, this is until January of 2022 and we're, we're gonna run every month new bootcamps so therefore you know just come by sign up to any one of our bootcamps and you know let's get it started there you go again thank you very much Francis but before I let you go follow us on whatever podcast after listening to it's now 2022 and we're about to turn three in a couple of weeks so oh, if you want to be again part of this thing follow if you're a subscribe whatever podcast after listening to it again if we did say some jargon it's going to be shown out on hustleshare.com and lastly we also part of have our community so follow us on the Hustle Share community on Facebook to talk to other hustlers that are also listening to this podcast again Francis thank you very much 
Good. Thank you. Thank you again. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.